You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and today I've got something a little bit different in store for you. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to talk with a local Rotary Club about baseball cards, and they wanted to hear a little bit about various hobbies from time to time, and they asked if I'd be willing to share a little bit about the hobby. And so this was the first time I've done a formal presentation about cards, and unlike all of you, the vast majority of this audience was going to have very little background in the hobby. So I decided to split my time between giving some history of cards and also telling my own collecting story. My time window ended up getting cut from 15 to 20 minutes to 8 to 10 minutes right at the last second, so I kind of had to adjust on the fly. Anyway, I hope you enjoy, and maybe it can give you some inspiration about your own potential opportunities to help educate others about the hobby. First, I'm going to take a quick break to share about a new sponsor of the show, and then I'll go ahead and run the interview. Starstock is a new trading card marketplace which is preparing to go live in April. Their goal is to be a faster and cheaper solution to sell cards, and they're looking for sellers who want to be some of the first to have their cards available for sale at launch. I'm going to be testing the platform with my own submission. They're offering a 5% sales commission with no other submission or processing fees. You send in your cards and they do all the work. Cards are insured and stored in a vault, and you can have your cards shipped to you at any time. You'll be able to buy, store, or flip cards at the push of a button. If you're interested in learning more about getting involved as a seller and getting your cards onto the site for launch, contact Mike Kuchera via email at mike at starstock.com. They're looking for sellers who have rookie and prospect cards of current players for the major sports. For more details, contact Mike Kuchera at mike at starstock.com or go to www.starstock.com. How's it going? Good. Thanks for the opportunity to come and talk today about one of my passions. And uh, my hobby is all about collecting small pieces of cardboard with pictures on them. And yeah, that's collecting sports cards. Uh, It's something that's been a a part of my life since, since I was young. And so when Nate asked if I'd be willing to come chat about it for a little bit, I said, sure, I'd be happy to. So, just out of curiosity, um, how many of you are familiar with sports cards, baseball cards, basketball cards, football cards, okay? Does anybody still collect out there? It seems to be one of those things that a lot of us did when we were younger, um, but have have moved past that now, but um, it's one of those things that uh, continues to exist and continues to have some popularity out there. um, something that I came back to a few years ago, and so I thought I would talk a little bit more about that. Um, today I thought I would cover a couple different things. One is a kind of a brief history of, of baseball cards, and then a little bit about my own collecting journey and my collecting story. And so baseball cards date all the way back to the 1860s um, in what were called trade cards, and they were basically advertisements that were included from a variety of different companies and products that they used to to try to help drive sales. Um, But in 1886, I've got a a picture there. Uh, The Goodwin Tobacco Company came out with a set of 12 players from the New York Giants. And and these cards were included in packages of tobacco. And this is what many people uh, 
have come to, to accept as the first official baseball card set, so dating all the way back to 1886. Now over the next probably 30, 40, 50 years, um, cards were included in a similar fashion in packages of Cracker Jacks and bubble gum and tobacco, and the, the hobby or the industry kind of existed in that same way as kind of a throw-in token item to help stimulate sales for the next you know, 40 or 50 years. But then it was probably the late 40s and early 50s when the modern era of cards started. And two bubblegum companies, Topps and Bowman, started putting together packages of baseball cards as a way to help sell more bubblegum to kids. And so that started what they call the bubblegum wars. And between the late 40s and early 50s, Topps and Bowman kind of battled it out, battled each other for exclusive rights for certain players. And um, ultimately, the Topps set that started in 1952 was the first year that, that they came out with their own full product line. And the Mickey Mantle card that you see on the left is a 1952 Mickey Mantle, and it's one of the most, most widely sought after cards today. Uh, many people view it as his rookie card, um, but in fact, his rookie card was the, the one you'll see on the right, which was a 1951 Bowman. But Topps has done such a great job of, of owning the baseball card market that many people still refer to that 52, or 52 Mantle as his rookie. Well, Topps ended up winning the Bubblegum War in 1956, and they ultimately bought out Bowman and shuttered that brand. And despite their success there, it wasn't always the case. That first year of 1952, they were having trouble selling their cards, and the story goes that that card, which is now, some copies have sold for hundreds of thousands of dollars, um, they had so many unsold items that the New York-based company loaded all their unsold merchandise up onto a barge and dumped it in the ocean at the beginning of the 1953 season. And so it's kind of crazy to think about the, the, the money that was dumped overboard that they, they weren't able to, to sell back at that time and, and what that might be worth today. Um, Topps pretty much had a monopoly for the next 25 years throughout the 70s. Um, the only way that you could find other baseball cards at that time was through promotional items like with Kellogg's and Post and Hostess and a few other things like that that were included with Twinkies and cereal. Um, but after a multi-year court battle in the late 70s, um, Topps was joined by Fleer and Donruss in 1981, and that kicked off what was the rise of, of the, the popularity and the super growth of popularity of cards. And so throughout the 80s, the popularity continued to grow up until the, the late, uh, late 80s and early 90s when it was estimated that these companies were cranking out around a million copies of every single card that was produced. And that was also the time that the other sports really came in to be um, popular as well. So football and hockey and basketball, while they had cards throughout the 60s and 70s, once things became so widespread in the late 80s and early 90s, they the, those other sports um, were able to, to get widespread prominence as well. And so after that, the market kind of declined a little bit and it kind of steadily dropped off to the point where today there's only three manufacturers that have exclusive licenses for the four major sports. And so the market contracted a lot since the late 80s and early 90s. 
um, but over the last couple of years has started to grow again. As far as my own collecting journey, that started in 1986 when I was a nine-year-old little leaguer who had become a Cubs fan. And I went to the store one day with my mom and sitting on top of the counter was a box of baseball cards. And there had been kids in our neighborhood talking about cards um, that summer. And so I said, hey, take a look at this. And then right on top of the, the very first pack I saw was a Cubs player. And I said, I've got to have this. And so um, I, I went ahead and I, talked my mom into getting that first pack of cards. And right on top was, it was this card actually right here, Thad Bosley, it's a 1986 Topps card, you can pass it around. I have this one, by the way. Nate has that one. <laughs> and so that was the first card that I got. And so as a kid then, I was getting every single card that I could find, and, and I was having a lot of fun with it. Uh, my friends and I all collected and all that type of stuff, but it was, it was something that I did up through high school, and then when I went off to college in the late 90s, my, my collecting kind of stopped at that point. Um, and so for the next 15 years, I really didn't do much. Luckily, I never got rid of any of the cards I had as a kid, but I didn't buy any new ones. It wasn't a part of, 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 my, of my life at that point. And then in late 2015, um, I got back into the hobby, and I started collecting again, but I realized several things had changed. And for one, it was a lot more expensive than it was when I was a kid. When I was growing up, you could buy a box of cards for $15 or $20, um, but now the, the popular sets, they cost anywhere from $50 to $150 for a box of new cards. Um, and there was also, instead of it just being kind of the, the standard um, piece of cardboard with a picture on it, there are companies now include randomly um, autographed cards or pieces or cards that have pieces of game used bats or game used jerseys and things like that inside that adds a little bit more of a chase element so the th things had changed so much um, and I was having fun but I realized I was probably going to need to focus in a little bit more on what I really wanted to collect and why I wanted to collect it and I also realized I was going to need to do something to start to generate some extra money to help pay for these cards if I wanted to do it. And so one of the things that I did to help with that was started my own website and waxpackhero.com where I was gonna hope to help educate other new collectors who are returning to the hobby um, and also just have, make it have a little more fun with it. So I've, I've started that, that website, I've started to buy and sell um, cards to help pay for the, the cards that I wanna keep to help build my own collection. And so I've been able to, to kind of scratch that entrepreneurial itch as well. Um, and so collecting now has both been about the cards as well as the, the business side of collecting. And so through the website and through social media and the presence that I've got there, I've started to be able to, to generate those funds that are helped covering my hobby. And so it really lets me have that connection to the past and the connection to the history of baseball Right now, some of the things that I'm focusing on are some of those sets that were released in the 1950s and 1960s. And while the current cards that I get, I want to be in perfect condition and I want them to be, you know, really sharp corners and sharp edges and all of that type of stuff. When I get those cards from the 50s and 60s that have rounded corners and creases and maybe a little writing on them, I can, I can picture the kids of that era trading them with their friends in their bedrooms, talking about who's, who's better and some of that type of stuff that we do to now today on Facebook and Twitter, but I can almost picture them doing that with that piece of history. And so it provides that connection 
to that era. And, and while I speak of that too, I thought I'd brought another card that I would share that I got at the Sports Collectors Convention in Chicago last year. And this is a, a 19, um, oh, 1909 um, T206 card. So it's over 110 years old. Um, came in a package of tobacco back then. So I thought I could pass wow. that around too for, for people to take a look at if they wanted. Um, just not something that you get a chance to see every day, but I, when I think about that, it, it provides that connection to our, our past that I think is pretty cool. Keep your eye on that while it's going It's one of those things that it's, it, can be, it can be a lot of fun. Um, and, and there can be you know, some value to, to those collections as well. Um, that set that that comes from, that card itself is about $15 or $20, but there's another card from that set that is super rare and super hard to find that is sold for well over a million dollars. Um, and so it's crazy to think about how drastic of a difference there can be um, you know, from that same set for, for some of those cards. And then the last reason that I really collect now is because it, it also provides me kind of an opportunity to give back. And um, there's a lot of charities, both local and national, that um, put cards in the hands of kids uh, to help to help them, you know, cheer up or, or brighten their day a little bit. I know Home Sweet Home here in town, as well as Goodwill, will take donations of cards and then. Um, sell them to, to raise funds and the national convention that I mentioned um, did a fundraiser last year in the Chicagoland area to help raise money for the Ronald McDonald charity um, up there as well as some other nationwide charities that take donated items and use those funds um, to help with different veterans um, programs and so those are some of the reasons as well that, that I like to, to collect um, I also did bring a binder of Cubs cards that I have that date from 1952 up through today and also has some examples in there of some of the autographed cards or some of the jersey or bat, baseball bat type cards um, that I mentioned. So you can feel free to come up and take a look at those as well if you'd like to kind of get a feel for what cards were like over that era. Um, and then I'm not sure if there's still time, but. I'd be happy to take any questions that you guys have as well, and, and we can even do that afterwards um, as we go. Just to clarify, there's no Cardinals cards in there, right? I don't believe so. Not, those Let's are usually sure. the ones Let's that I it. donate. <laughs> I'll try to sell off as quick as possible. Is that the most valuable? <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was my presentation. Hopefully you enjoyed hearing about how that went and how, what angle I took at sharing some information about cards. Uh, let me know in the in the comments. Send me a note on Twitter. Send me an email at waxpackhero at gmail.com and see if you found that helpful. I know the audio was a little quieter than our normal audio, but that's kind of the nature of trying to record an episode like that. So let me know what you think, and maybe I'll try to do some more of those types of things in the future if you thought it was interesting. Um, I did want to also highlight a couple comments that I got in the Apple Podcast um, feedback and Apple Podcast reviews. Um, Ted OFNH said, this is an excellent podcast for those returning to the hobby and looking to catch up to the changes in the ever-evolving pastime. Mike's podcasts are succinct 
and full of helpful information to maximize your enjoyment, build the collection you want, and maybe make a few dollars to help sustain your collection. Thanks, and I appreciate that feedback. And kind of along those same lines, I wanted to to shout out Todd Lee, 33, who said, getting back into the hobby and learning about how things have changed. Mike's an amazing resource and parses out information in short, manageable bites. Thanks, Todd Lee, and I appreciate it. I will catch you next time.